Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil. I'm very excited for our guest today. Our guest today is Jeffrey Donis. Now, Jeffrey is a real estate investor and syndicator with Donis Investment Group. He's responsible for capital raising and investor relations. He and his two brothers, formerly known as Donis Brothers, began investing in single family, then transitioned into multifamily and has created a portfolio of cash flowing rentals. And so Jeffrey's responsible again for capital raising and investor relations. But today, their goal is to empower others to achieve their financial goals through apartment investing. And the Donis brothers also are hosts of the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. Jeffrey, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Yannick. I appreciate the introduction. Hope you've been having a great day. I know you originally connected a few weeks ago, so I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's give us give the listeners a little backstory about who you are and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm 20 years old. I live in Durham, North Carolina. I work with my two brothers. So I have a twin brother and an older brother. Uh, people consider us the Donish brothers, uh, sometimes unformally known as the Jonas brothers. But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's whatever. Like sometimes you know, people will think we're triplets. Um, no, we're just one twin brother. Um, but I grew up in this area. Uh, my mom's an immigrant uh, from, originally was an immigrant. Now she's uh, legal, but originally came from Guatemala. So I grew up in a low income background and grew up really um, just not really understanding the abundance of money. I thought there was always a scarce amount of money and that may have, that was because of my upbringing. So fast forward past my childhood, I was in school, not going the traditional route and I was in college to get a job. My brothers and I always like to joke, we'd look up online, what's the highest paying job that you can get and how much can you make? And we would look and see like anesthesiologists and things like that. And we were like, that sounds really boring. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? So I um, ended up just finding or real estate halfway through my freshman year in college. My brother was watching like The Breakfast Club and he came across wholesaling single family. So fast forward, we started just listening to a lot of podcasts, reading a lot of books. There's a book behind me for the people in your audience that are you watching this. Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book I read that started this journey for us. Um, we started listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast and different things like that that led us to more books like Think and Grow Rich and slowly started shifting our mindset from thinking we had to go the traditional route, which was a nine to five and shifted over to possibly starting our own business. So that's where wholesaling comes back into the picture. We started cold calling and really just started taking a lot of action, failing forward, eventually fell on our first deal and ended up closing that deal, which was the biggest deal we, we did throughout the entire 15 months that we were doing wholesaling. Uh, and that was like the really the, the turning moment for us. For me personally, it was the proof of concept moment. So ended up leaving school the summer I was supposed to go back into my sophomore year to pursue real estate full-time um, and eventually ended up into multifamily. Uh, now we joined a few mentorships and mastermind groups that have helped us a lot throughout this journey. Uh, my brothers and I have been fortunate enough to make a little bit of money in the wholesaling that we've invested in ourselves by going into different mastermind groups and different events, building up our network. Uh, now we've been able to co-sponsor on apartment syndication deals. Right now it's been four deals so far a little over a thousand units. And we're also working on a deal uh, right now that I want to talk too much about because it is a 506B deal, but uh, that's the one that we sourced ourselves. So very excited to be here and share my story. 
That's awesome. So let's take it back to college, right? Did you say that you left college? Like you, you just decided that you didn't want to like finish, <laughs> like, what? like, take me yeah. back to that moment. Like why just kind of give up your, your college aspirations of graduating and, and getting into real estate? No, I think that's a great question. So uh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and it talked about one, a lot of different concepts and I still love to read. So anyway, I'll start why I left to answer the question before I go too much on a tangent. I was in school because I thought I wanted to go and get a degree and I was planning on doing something in business. Uh, and I just started reading these books and I kept talking about how, first of all, I didn't know that all these big entrepreneurs that ended up like Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and people say, you know, you're not going to be like them. But I started realizing that a lot of these people dropped out as well. So I was like, okay, well, some of them do it. And then I started looking into more and more about what school was. Um, and there's a book by Robert Kiyosaki called Fake, where he mm. talks about a lot of these schools and, and universities like Duke University, Carnegie Mellon, Vanderbilt were created by robber barons and, and people like the Rockefellers, uh, the Vanderbilts, really named after them. And they were creating it to form employees. And I personally got into entrepreneurship at a very early age. And I was a pretty solid student in college. I had a 4.0 GPA, not to brag, but I, 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 would, I was doing well. So it wasn't because I didn't enjoy it, but I wasn't getting the fulfillment that I was getting out of my business. And when I made money, that first deal, uh, it was a large sum, more money than I'd ever made in my life. And mm -hmm. I was like, if I can do this without the degree, my time, in my opinion, is worth more. If I'm actually investing it in my business, I'm going to events. I started going to mastermind events. And then I started asking people. Fortunately enough, I started asking, like, we went to Belize once with Robert Kiyosaki. He was there. I had left school at that point, but my twin brother had a full ride at a really prestigious university here where we live. Uh, and he asked Robert in person kind of what he should do. And this is where a, a quote that I like by Dale Carnegie, and he likes to say, don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade places with. Uh, and we were asking people like within our inner circle before we started networking, what we should do. And they all told us, you know, don't take risks like that. You should stay in school, go the safe route. And then we asked Robert what he thinks we should do. And I won't quote him because a lot of people would really disagree with what he said, but pretty much he just said, if you don't want to, you know, get a, a job, then there's no point in getting a degree because that's what mm -hmm. you'd use it for. So for us, I just started asking mentors. My brother just started asking mentors who were doing exactly what we wanted to do. And my mentor, who's still to this day, my mentor in the multifamily space, we asked him, what should my brother do? And he ended up telling him, if you don't want to get a job, then you don't need the degree. Um, so that let us know, okay, well, one, we can always go back. But two, my time is more valuable investing it in my business. And mm -hmm. my mom, the main reason we got into real estate was to retire her. So rather than wait four years to go and finish the degree and then try to get a job that's going to maybe make me 60 to 100 grand, by the time I'm, I should have graduated, I can have you know multiple different deals under my portfolio, be able to make enough passive income to retire her. And then if I really wanted to go back, I can always go back to school. So that's what like the thought process was. At the end of the day, I'm way more excited and I enjoy what I do now a lot more than what I was doing in school. And I get to choose what I learn. That's yeah. something a lot of people don't talk about. I just get to read all day and like, you know, I obviously work a lot too, but I get to choose the books I read. I get to choose the seminars I get to go and attend to. And also I invest in so many mastermind groups that I'm just getting a different type of education that's not as traditional. That's powerful. You know, that's exactly why I left the private equity firms that I used to work for a few months ago was because mm -hmm. I realized that I was more valuable as an entrepreneur to myself, my family. I'm more valuable to the world based off of my talents, you know, what I want to do in life, the impact that I want to do as well. And then also, you know, similar to your, your aspirations is just having that retirement option for my mom, right? Because mm. sometimes things happen in this real estate space where you, 
you get down, but just going back to like your intrinsic motivation of like why you're doing this is extremely helpful when pushing through some tough challenges. So you're 20 years old right now, you know, syndicating real estate. You shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> you should be out partying. What is the power of investing yeah. early in real estate or just in general? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And my brothers and I, believe it or not, anyone my age, in my opinion, and I had a lot of friends in high school and I still do. So it's not like the temptations aren't there, to be honest, like they're there. But one, I'm so much happier when I'm doing things that I actually enjoy to do. And I think doing those things, one, it pulls me away from my purpose. Like I'm a man of faith and I do believe in God and things like that. So I'm trying to be in tune with the universe and how it speaks to me. So you can call it infinite intelligence or whatever you want to call it to people in your audience. But for me, I truly do feel a difference when I'm actually on purpose and doing things that are getting me closer to living the life that I know I'm I'm supposed to live, or at least getting closer to that versus me going and doing other things. So I always feel out of place when I'm doing other things like that. And I think at this point in my life, a lot of people may not be in tune or whatever, but well, let me at least make the right moves right now while I'm young, while I have energy, while I don't have any really expenses. I don't have a family to provide for. I have no, I guess, dependencies or no one depending on me right now. So this is the time that I have to, I can't take the most risk and I can afford to fail. I can, I can literally fail five years in a row uh, and I yeah. can still have a lot of time, right? So that's what I see it as. And also I love what I do right now more than the, than partying in my opinion. So it's not that hard to make the decision. Just growing and learning, that's fun to me. It's kind of like a sport. Yeah. I know you, you came from you know, playing very competitive at a high level. I grew up playing soccer. Um, so that drive to always get better and improve, I'm addicted to that because I get a lot of fulfillment from it. And in my opinion, it's a healthy one. That's great. When you invest early as possible, I mean, you have such a long runway to get to the high level, right? Mm-hmm. And you made a great point about the risk aspect to that as well. You know, being early in your 20s, no kids, that is yeah. certainly less of a burden that you have to worry about, you know, from a castle perspective and having other yeah. responsibilities, you know, you can keep your costs as low as possible and then just focus all of that capital into investments. But then the other thing as well is just the compounding effects over time, specifically when you have a rental portfolio that's growing in equity year over year over year and your cash flow is increasing incrementally. I mean, if you have an opportunity to invest today, you know, or invest early, definitely do that because you are going to see extraordinary results by doing that at an early age. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner, or professional athlete with money in the bank earning 0% return, and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash passive guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash passive guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, you started off, you know, you had this goal of, you know, moving into the world of entrepreneurship. You got into wholesaling. That was kind of like your start. And then you moved into multifamily syndication. How was that transition from wholesaling to multifamily, where wholesaling is transactional, (laughs) right? You eat what you kill. 
you know, real estate private equity has some sort of transactional nature to it. Mm-hmm. But was there like a mindset shift and just business model or life goals that made you want to mm-hmm. shift from transactional wholesaling to cash flowing multifamily? Yes. And I'd say the biggest one for one is uh, rich dad, poor dad principle. The rich don't work for money. The rich work for assets. And I wanted to build wealth. I didn't want to build a high paying job. I didn't want to have to be as transactional as I don't want to have a business that was as transactional as the wholesaling business was. And also at the end of the day, it didn't fulfill me. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I was actually sat back with my brothers. So I'll, I'll pause it there. We want to build something really big. And we noticed in wholesaling one, we're not building something we actually enjoy doing. And two, it's not going to be what we want to end up doing. So why are we climbing up the wrong tree right now? We're putting so mm. much time, so much effort. And people kept saying, start in multifamily sooner. I, I wish I could have done it sooner. And we were putting so much time. Like we work all day. Yeah. And right now, I don't even call it work, but let's just, the amount of time that we're putting into it is a lot. So why not just go and apply that to something else? Yeah. Like I said, none of us have girlfriends, none of us have family. So at the end of the day, it's, it's up to us what we do with our time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't have necessarily have to do anything. So we were like, let's just go do it. Now, the, the transition was difficult because it was obviously very different, a lot more sophisticated, a lot more to learn. A lot of the people in the multifamily space have a you know higher net worth, higher sophistication level, have more money, have more connections. These were all limiting beliefs for us at first. Obviously, they're, most of them were true. I'm not going to lie. like It was all true. But in my opinion, all of it serves as a limiting belief. And eventually, when we identified that, we overcame them just by simply saying, you know what? We can do it. We'll just figure it out. Yeah. So we joined a mastermind group. Oh, and to kind of go back into why. Long-term, and also we saw the scalability of multifamily. So in multifamily, you're able to, one, obviously, you buy 100-unit property. You don't have to go through a hundred different closings. It's just one versus mm-hmm. trying to do a hundred single family properties. You're going to have a hundred different closings and it's just going to be fires coming up you know, here and there. And typically with multifamily, it's just one seller, one closing. That's like one of the reasons why we ended up doing it. Also, we didn't want to necessarily manage the property ourselves. Multifamily, typically you can hire an onsite for one property. And that's something that we really enjoyed and, and liked to see. And then at the end of the day, it was the thing that we wanted to end up doing. We saw all the people that we looked up to, like a lot of people don't like him, but Grant Cardone was someone that we enjoyed looking at his content. We love reading his books and he was in multifamily. And we're like, what's the common denominator here? All these things are adding up to multifamily. Why are we in single family right now? This is producing a lot of cash, but not producing assets. And Robert Kiyosaki, Rashad always talks about the whole point is to build your asset column because you don't want to work for money. At the end of the day, they're inflating money. They're printing it. So they're, they're printing money. So like, what, you know what I mean? Like, why would you work for that? You want to go and yeah. build your asset column and, and work for assets that produce cash flow because that's how you're going to become wealthy. And for us, that's how we're going to retire our mom, not with active income. We want passive mm-hmm. income. So as a GP, obviously you're active, but you're able to get equity and become wealthy and then invest that money back into the deal. So one, we were learning exactly what we wanted to do. Um, in the beginning, mm-hmm. it was just by hustling, getting little pieces but as time goes on, obviously our equity grows. Our knowledge is already there. So now that we have the capital, we already understand the asset that we'd like to invest in long-term. And it's all about multiplying our money. Um, and wholesaling and single family, we knew we couldn't do that the way we wanted to. So that's why multifamily made sense. And I can yeah. stop there, but uh, definitely a transition. And we ended up joining a mastermind group. We have so much synergies, man. I think uh, the, the fact that you want to retire your mom off multifamily is amazing right and just creating that cash flow that consistent cash flow that you can get to have 
that you can get to give to your mom, right? Yeah. Because she can't retire just off wholesaling. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> no, no, in wholesaling, right, yeah. you're only as good as your last deal. It's definitely less risk associated with wholesaling compared to like fix and flipping. But right. it still has that transactional nature. And generational wealth is created over time. But cash flow, which allows you to get the choices yes. for today, is something that you get through acquiring assets that create that cash flow and wholesaling to your point was something that you saw that, Hey, this is probably not in line with my end goal. You know, I can probably still do this, but I know that I need that cash flow to get to that end goal. So that's a great story of how you transitioned from wholesaling to multifamily syndication. So during that transition, you said that you found a mentorship, you know, how important was that from a networking perspective to actually get your first deal done? Yeah, that was, I credit it all to, to that. So, I mean, how does someone that obviously has no experience in the multifamily space, how do they win a hundred plus unit deal? Obviously it's possible. I know people that do it, but for us, uh, we just saw the opportunity. We all started learning and doing research. One book we read was the best ever apartment syndication book. And it talked about the importance of finding a mentor or a partner that has more experience in that space because brokers who do 90% and are the ones that kind of handle these 90% of the transactions that are done in multifamily, they're typically only going to work with people that have obviously done deals, have a track record, and they have confidence can close because they're obviously working for a commission. So if they know mm -hmm. you can close, they're going to give you the opportunity. But if they don't think you have the ability to close, why would they waste their time, right? So mm -hmm. we realized that, that we needed that and we lacked that. So we joined this mastermind group for that reason. Our uh, mentor is also our partner which in my opinion, you can't really beat that. That's the reason we joined that group. The network itself, there's like uh, obviously people in that group that are doing deals. And what I always like to say is, this is a very cliche saying, but you, the people you surround yourself with, the person you'll become. So you're either some of the five people you surround yourself with. And that's exactly what we started doing. So we started going to these multifamily conferences, um, started joining these mastermind groups that are focused on apartment syndication. And these people in these groups, the way they talk about like just raising millions of dollars, submitting like earnest money, half a million dollars. I'm sorry, half, you know, half a million or a million dollars yeah. hard money day one. Well, it might be half a million with in this, yeah. in this market. I mean, it's softening, not not really softening, but it's yeah, down, it's, right? yeah it's you just down. never know. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to, to get a deal. No, for sure. But like the ability of them to be able to see these things so nonchalantly. I mean, as a, you know, as a young person that comes from a low income background with like the people that I'm hanging out with. And then I travel a yeah. few hours on an airplane and go hang out with these people that are talking about raising $10 million in you know two days or uh, having to buy this like $20 million property. And like, I'll walk these deals with them too. And I'm like watching, okay. And I, you start to picture yourself doing it because you're there with them. And they're like, oh yeah, this is my partner. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah. you just start to like become that person. At first you have this imposter syndrome, of, of course, but you just slowly start to hang out with those people. And you realize one, that they're real people. They're not perfect. And also it kind of just inspires you like, wow, this person can do it. Maybe I can too. And then you slowly start to learn more and more as you're just surrounded by these conversations and by this this new world. And eventually the way we got into our first deal, we talked to my my, uh, my mentor and I asked him, hey, anyone in the group working on anything they might need help with? And he was like, yeah, there's a guy right here. And I was like, oh, I know him. I met him at a networking event. So I already had his number. I gave him a call, asked him, you know, are you working on anything? I knew he was, but he didn't. You know, I just didn't want to like approach him that way. So he told me yes. Uh, and I asked him what he needed and help. And he told me um, they're looking for some co-GPs to do different things. Uh, one of which was to help with some equity. So for capital, um, also with other things, but I was just kind of 
a little uh, overwhelmed at the moment. I didn't think I had enough value to bring, but I talked to my brothers and we were like, you know what? We're really good at marketing. We can help out with anything we want to help with and anything they need, we're willing to help them with. And also we do know some people who are really big hitters when it comes to the space. They have a big investor database and they have more experience than we do. And I don't think this lead sponsor knows who this person is. You know, I first asked the lead sponsor, hey man, I know this guy. If I introduce you to him, what do you think that'd be a value? Like if I bring him into the deal? He was like, yes. And this guy obviously has a big investor database and a lot of more experience. So he's obviously going to be help out in a lot of different ways that we couldn't. So when he comes on, he ends up obviously bringing his experience. He brought in like $2 million in capital, different things like that. And that all came through us, but obviously that wasn't from us ourselves. It was through the introduction. And the guy was like, because of the value you guys brought, I'm willing to offer you guys a spot on the deal. Um, let me know what you guys think you can help with. We were like marketing. Uh, we were brought on some of our own investors. We're on the asset management calls. We visit the property multiple times a year. Um, so obviously oh, the first deal was a lot of learning, but just really trying to do anything we could. So that's how we got into the first one. And it came down to the networking. And people think just because you don't have money, just because you're young, just because you might be new to the space or less experienced, that you can't bring enough value to earn a spot at the table. But it's all about thinking creatively and being innovative because all, all it was was an introduction that a lot of people may not have seen that opportunity and that value. But it just took a simple, you know, connections that we made and we made it happen. There are three things that are on every deal, right? You either have the deal, the money, and the expertise. And surrounding mm-hmm. yourself, I mean, I'm part of a mastermind as well. And surrounding yourself with people that are actually doing deals is yes. one thing because it creates that energy within you to it's kind of like that competitive nature, right? Because you're seeing everyone doing different things and yeah. in the space that you want to play in. And it's just like, what am I doing? Right. And it's not necessarily from like just judging yourself or it's not necessarily like you're watching what, what someone else is doing It's more so from a perspective of just the motivational impact of just being around people who are actually doing things. Mm -hmm. And um, I think by you finding a way creatively to work your way into your first deal is by way of creating value, right? As long as you can create value, you are always going to have some sort of opportunity somewhere. Because there's never been someone that has said, oh, well, you know, there's too much value here. I I don't want it. (laughs) As long as you can position yourself of value, there's so many doors that can be open to you in life in general, right? 100%. That was great, you know, testament to your hustle and your work ethic of just figuring it out and just surrounding yourself with the right people. So fast forward to where you guys are today. I know that you're in Mm -hmm. the the capital raising and investor relations side. You know, when I got into real estate, people were saying, hey, if you find a good deal, the money would come. You know, (laughs) that was something that I learned was not the case. So how are you managing today's environment in terms of capital raising and what discussions are you having with investors that may be afraid of where the economy is going to be because of inflation and the Mm -hmm. potential recession on the horizon, you know, how are you raising capital in today's environment? Yeah. So for one, I think, um, this is a Grant Cardone quote or like the philosophy that I kind of got from his 10 X book. So when there's an economic recession, the main thing I do is just take more action, talk to more people first and foremost. Uh, I'm literally doing more right now, trying to gain more of uh, the marketplace, if you will. So that's well, the way I do that is through content. My brother's doing the marketing for us. So we're trying to be more consistent on social media, get on more podcasts, release more podcasts, just talk to more people. I reach out, try to book as many calls as possible, whether that's for co-sponsors, investors, 
just other people in the space. I think more people know me, the more opportunities will come my way, the more people I can bring value to. That's just the way that I've noticed. If I just can help as many people as I can, some, some, for some weird reason, it comes back to me every single time. And I don't do it for that reason, but I just try to help. One, it makes me happy, but two, it builds my network. So that's the first thing. But when it comes to educating my investors, I mean, we all know inflation is the way that happens. People are just, they're printing a lot of money and purchasing power of our dollar is going down because there's more of it in the system. So if people, if you just kind of like approach that to your investors and approach that with that mindset of what else would you do? Like right now, the stock market was going down. Uh, it's going up now, but still it's not where it used to be. And you saw how volatile it is. Mm-hmm. Also, leaving it in the bank, you're pretty much losing money because of the inflation. So what else do you plan on doing? Uh, real estate, obviously, is an inflation hedging asset. And as you explain that to your investors in that as uh, the purchasing price goes down, or let's say you need more dollars to buy that loaf of bread or that piece of real estate, obviously, rental rates are going up with inflation. So that's good for real estate owners. So if you're investing in real estate, then you're hedging against that, meaning that the property is also raising in value. Uh, and at the end of the day, you want hard, tangible assets as a person who's looking to preserve their wealth. So rather than just keeping it in the fiat currency that our government has now created, why not invest that into something that's real that people need, like multifamily real estate for us? So that's, that's really the approach I take. But in regards to solving the problem, a lot of people like to say there's it's a lot harder to raise money nowadays. And I completely think that's true. But also, it's just an opportunity. I think um, there's a lot less people now buying deals in multifamily. So it's an opportunity, a massive opportunity to find these deals. If you're obviously able to do it with the right team and get the right debt and find the right opportunity and get to sell it at the right price. But then it's like, okay, now we have more opportunities, but now we don't have the equity. So it's like, you're not going to have one or the other. So how do you solve that problem? Just reach out to more people, in my opinion. Talk to more people. Try to just take as much actions. And then that way you can have more, uh, more uh, conversations with people. And that will hopefully be able to solve the problem of not having enough equity because you don't want that to be the problem and the reason why you're not able to take these properties down. Yeah. This is a big buying opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, no, well said. Because uh, I think if you're able to convey your message in a way that is taking a negative, which is you know high inflation, Mm-hmm. into a positive of this is probably the time that you definitely want to invest because your money is literally yeah. losing purchasing power is part of that capital raising process and just reaching out and sharing that message and providing opportunities to your investor base because that's something that they need to hear right money is extremely important you know your investors are working very hard to build that capital and to kind of see it just a road yeah. from an inflation perspective or just sitting at the bank is actually a detriment to their financial goals, right? Yeah. So just and, pushing yeah. that message out there. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know it. It's like the, the hidden tax is what they like to call inflation because obviously they're not going to go out and try to raise taxes and let everyone know, hey, we're going to raise taxes. But instead, we're just going to print more of it and therefore you're going to lose purchasing power and you don't even know it. And yeah. obviously, eventually you'll find out, but they don't really take the blame for it, right? They just blame these companies or things like that. So I think yeah. that's the right. That's definitely what I agree with. Well said. So let me ask you a question. Tell me about a time where you felt stuck and frustrated in your journey, you know, where it may be, you know, some sort of breakthrough moment that you had, or maybe you had to push through a certain struggle. Maybe our listeners today can benefit from some insight on a specific struggle that you've pushed through or a breakthrough moment? Yeah. So there was one point where we were working on a, a raising on a deal, raising capital. And 
it was around $9 million. So it was a big race for me personally. I was like in charge of it, right? I'm the capital raiser investor relations on my team. So that was something that I'd never done before in regards to that amount of capital on one deal. And we have hard money on the deal. So we had it. So in regards to us having that at risk, obviously it's a lot of pressure. And initially I wasn't getting a lot of traction. I started getting stressed out. I never got stressed out like that ever, yeah. especially for It's a lot business. of pressure, man. $9 million <laughs> is a, a lot of money, especially when you have hard money on the line. Well, and obviously I had partners. Some of my partners helped me with the earnest money too. So it's not always, always all of your money. And you don't want, I mean, the biggest thing in this business is your reputation. And I was like, yeah. well, one, I'm young. So I do not want to start off on a bad foot, right? Uh, only a few years in. So I was like, no, no way. First, the stress. But I just started really getting into more uh, in tune with my spirituality and things like that. Uh, not to go too much attention on that, but that started helping me. And I started really getting in alignment with, okay, now I just have to become that person that can raise that amount of capital. So that led with me reading more books. And as I started reading more books and just watching more videos and, and learning and educating myself, I came across a, a book that I already mentioned, it's 10X. And mm-hmm. I just listened to it while I'm in the gym. Uh, and he just talks about the more action you take, that's you're going to get more results. So I was like, you know what? I just need to talk to more people. I am not talking to enough people. That's exactly why I haven't been able to get to the point of not having this problem. So just one, I took control of the situation and I was no longer externally like delegating that. I was taking responsibility for it and eventually just started talking to more people. Eventually we actually ended up getting that raise done. So that's something that um, it just came with a lot of calls. It took a long time, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's weird how things always fall into place too. Like you just talk to a lot of people, they start to connect you with other people and it all comes down to massive action. Like there's no secret to it. And yeah. I, I'm faithful, like I said earlier. So I kind of just knew God had a plan. How he's having faith and a lot of nights that were like somewhat sleepless, but eventually it always gets done. And I think you can always just understand that as long as you like really are intentional every single day, trying to get closer and closer to wherever you're trying to get to, that's how I was able to overcome that. And that's how we got it done. You know, the successful people are the ones who are really taking action. And when I say take action, it's relentless action, you know, relentless pursuit of results. Because how I look at it is that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to do the same thing that you're doing, whether it's like finding a deal, finding equity for your deals. But like what separates you? You know, what's the difference between you and your Joe over here? Right. And so the difference and you're a testament to that is just the being able to take action on a high level. 100%. Similar in a sense to the scientific kind of method of of force equals mass times acceleration, right? Just massive action. And there is no limit to success. 100%. And in regards to your sport, I know you were a high-level athlete. Do you apply the same mindset and do you see it paying off the same way? Like if I put in, you know, just constant, constant, consistent grind, like a lot of people like to say it's like, you know, the four hour work week and things like that. Now I think obviously there's certain things that at a certain point in your business, maybe you can have the the luxury of doing that. But what do you think as like an early entrepreneur? What do you think about that? I've taken a lot of different things from my sporting background. I'll say a couple of things. The first thing is just like you said, the massive action and that relentless pursuit to results, right? Because in order to get to that top 1%, like you have to be fully committed to what you're doing. You have to be fully committed to your craft because at that top, everybody Mm. is good for you to kind of blow past the ones who are okay, the ones who are great. You have to have that relentless pursuit to results. And that's really how I was able to 
afford myself the opportunity to get to the next level. You know, the yeah. second thing that, that I like to use is the methodology of just copying success. I've said this on a different podcast episode with someone else's podcast, but I'm not sure if you watch a lot of football, but I do. I do actually. In 2006, the Miami Dolphins came with the Wildcat and that was a very successful style of offense. And then a couple of weeks later, there were many different football teams that were running the same Wildcat formation or some variation of it. And then you had the college teams that were running different variations. And then I, in high school, back in 2006, we were running the Wildcat. I say that to say, copy your way to success, because that is the way how you can propel yourself to the next level. Mm. It is very difficult mm. to try to go out there and, and reinvent the wheel. But mm. if you can latch on to a mentor, if you can study what other people are doing, which is what you do well, right? At age 20, I can't believe that you're 20 years old. If you're able to mimic success, now I'm not saying that you can't necessarily like change different aspects of it, but the right. successful people in life, I think all follow the same process, it's just everyone mm. just has their own kind of spin on it. I agree, man. I love that. So, yeah, I appreciate that question. Thank you. I've always wanted to like, I, I've asked people, but you specifically because of your background and um, so fascinating. And I completely agree. Like, that's what, exactly what I, I do. I just have a lot of habits that I've built and like thinking, and I'm still learning. I'm, I'm always reading books and I'm always trying to apply different things that I'm learning in the books. And the one thing I think that makes the big difference in my life is when I don't actually apply it, mm. it's like, boof, it goes away. Uh, but when Robert Kiyosaki talks about the way you learn is actually by stimulating and actually doing whatever it is you're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. So whether that's real estate, whether that's your habits, whether that's whatever you're reading, if you actually end up doing it, obviously you're going to learn more than versus just reading it and then not doing anything with it. So I completely agree. And that, that that's the people I kind of look up to are the people I'm reading about, people I'm meeting in person. I ask them all the things I can try to ask them and then implement it into my own life. I totally agree with, with that. So I know you have an ebook out that you know you're passing on to your investor database and your network about just real estate investing or how people can get educated and further yeah. their expertise. Talk about the playbook that you guys have um, on your website. Yeah, for sure. So my brother Kerwin is the one that creates these, uh, and he has a new one that just came out. So it's not the playbook anymore. It's a checklist of things that if you're looking to invest with any sponsor, things that you want to make sure you ask them and things you look out for. So if you want to visit that, I think it's really, really uh high value and you're going to learn a lot in regards to what you should look out for before you invest in a deal as a passive investor. Uh, the link is www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash checklist. So if you're interested in that, make sure you go to that link. That's perfect. So if our listeners want to follow you, learn more about you, invest in your deals, how can they get in touch with you and your company? Yeah. So uh, you can visit my website, www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. My last name is spelled D-O-N-I-S, investmentgroup.com. And you can also check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, any platform that's on social media. And that's at Donis Brothers. And then you can check me out at Jeffrey Donis on all those platforms as well. And then if you want to look us our, check out our, our podcast, feel free to go to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast on all podcast aggregators. Perfect. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you to our listeners for joining in to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I mean, we talked about your challenges from just moving on to from wholesaling to multifamily syndication 
your mindset of just getting started and your motivations to invest based off of trying to retire your mom. So really appreciate you um, being on the show. And again, thank you so much to our listeners. And remember, real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. Just run your race. Thanks again, Jeffrey. Thanks, Yannick. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.